what do you do when the bottom falls out of your marriage? What do you do when the bottom falls out of your career? Or with your children? Or with your health? What do you do when you get back the lab reports? And it's not good at all. Or that your spouse has been seeing someone else. When your plans and dreams have never materialized. What do you do then? Well, we're not alone. The good news is that there are those in the Bible who have faced the impossible just like we do today, and we can learn from them. Daniel was a man who knew firsthand what it was like to have the bottom fall out of his world. Although Daniel had been born an Israeli royalty, King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, the enemy of, of Israel, he had conquered Daniel's homeland and conquered Jerusalem. He had literally gone in and made captive all sorts of the best of the best of Jerusalem that would now be his servant or work for him in his government, his empire. Including not only Daniel, but his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. But later in chapter 1 of Daniel... The events of Daniel's life are now actually on an upswing. They were, they were told to eat this pagan Babylonian food that would, would defile them in their Hebrewness, in their Jewishness, to serving God. And they had made it with the guard, they had made a pact. How about we eat this food, the vegetarian stuff? Ugh. Right? And in all of that, they would only drink water. They wouldn't do what was on the table of the king. And after 10 days, they were looking so much better than everybody else. So he allowed them to honor their diet as unto the Lord. And now, after X amount of time of being trained in the Babylonian ways and their education and their language and different things... Daniel and his friends were superior to everybody else who was being trained by the same people. And they were elevated and brought to work in the royalty of King Nebuchadnezzar in his kingdom, in his palace. But as we come to Daniel chapter 2, We've gone from him seeing the impossible take place. He has lost everything. He's lost his home, his family, his countrymen, his, his place of worship. Everything is gone. And now he's starting to see an upswing and everything's great until chapter 2 when the bottom falls out again. And here comes the impossible. Now some people, when we're faced with the impossible... They just want to give up. Some people, when faced with the impossible, just want to begin to complain. And some people, when faced with the impossible, refuse to be reasoned with. They're so convinced that they are right, even in this impossible situation, that they refuse to listen to anyone who does not agree with them. 
Here's an example. Mount Everest, during the spring of 1996, took five lives. One in particular was a man by the name of Andy Harris. Now, Andy Harris had gone to the peak and on his way and had stayed at the peak too long. You have a, a window of opportunity, and once you're up there, you have to come back down and get oxygen because the air is so thin. So when he came back down and found his way to where all these oxygen canisters were located, he radioed down to base camp and said, these are all empty. I need oxygen. Now his mind is being deprived of oxygen. He now is being radioed back up from base camp, and they are all saying, we have just, we're there at those canisters. They're full. All of them are full of oxygen. Try them. He's holding the green oxygen tank. And he begins to argue. He's unreasonable. Why? His mind is deprived of oxygen. But he's holding the very thing he needs. He's holding it. So he just argues and argues on the walkie-talkie. Until there's no more callback. Andy Harris has died. You see, many times when we're facing the impossible, we become unreasonable. We want to just recycle the same things over and over again. Hello? I've been there. And what you really need is the Spirit of God, the voice of God, to be allowed to speak into your life so that you don't step into the temptation of offense, so you don't step into the temptation of being stubborn and obstinate and, and unrealistic, and you just can't reason with anybody. And you feel alone. And you're crying out. And the very thing your soul needs, you won't do. You won't seek God and you won't pray because the impossible should have never happened. And you just want to argue. You just want to complain. Anybody been there? Because this is preaching good stuff to me. How about you? Somebody say amen. This is good up here, folks. I'm telling you, I'm up here all alone. I need some help. So Daniel's facing the impossible. And we pick up on it. If you want to read with me in Daniel chapter 2, here's the story of what's happening and, and the situation where he's forced to, to be in something that's impossible. And here's the crazy thing. He didn't do anything. Have you ever been there? You didn't do something? How many have done something and you got in trouble and you're like, yeah, I kind of deserve that. But we all go, I didn't do it. When it's not our fault. Right? Just, just, just ask the kids, right? They'll tell you when. No, 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 my brother did it. Right? So here are in Daniel chapter 2. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called 
in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. What? What did I dream? You want me to tell you what you dreamed last night? Yes, tell me what I dreamed. Does this begin to sound impossible? As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered and the king in Aramaic, Long live the king, tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and, and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. And they said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. The king replied, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know I am serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me the dream, and then I know that you can tell me what it means. The astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. He's right. There's no human being that can do this on their own. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. Now catch this on verse 11. The king's demand is... His demand is impossible. No one except the gods, small g, can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among people. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. Wow. Just got, became royalty in, in Israel, in, in Jerusalem, became a captive, human trafficking, started getting rising up in the king's palace, and now we're going to die. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill him, kill them. Daniel hand, handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Praise God. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch had him, <clears throat> told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king, requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. So number one, here's Daniel's predicament. So there can be times of crisis in life, those impossible predicaments, right, where you have done nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. You just went to work in the Twin Towers and a jet comes flying through the building. You didn't do anything wrong. You were just having a normal Sunday afternoon and all of a sudden Pearl Harbor gets bombed and you happen to be on one of those ships. 
You're not doing anything wrong. And all of a sudden, the bottom falls out. In a relationship, at the workplace, with family, with friends. As we just read, Daniel has done nothing wrong. And neither has Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. By the way, those are his, their Babylonian names. They're captives of war in a foreign land. So the advisors ask the king to tell them the dream first. Finally, they get exposed as truly the frauds that they are. And so this goes back and forth until finally they say, Hey, king, you're unreasonable. Well, that's not going well with somebody who's the dictator. And he says, enough. I'm going to have you all killed. So then we find that the commander, Arioch, listens to Daniel. And Daniel immediately goes to the king and says, hey, can you give me a little bit of time? I need to seek God first. So this is the situation. It's impossible. How many are even able to remember your dreams? Very few, right? How am I going to know your dream? If I can't even remember my own dream. <sighs> Once Daniel understood the facts, he then went to Nebuchadnezzar and he asked for that time. And many of us, we've had times in our lives when we've been hit hard with an unexpected <sighs> slew of bad news. Ever notice that news doesn't just come in ones? It's kind of like when people pass away in your life. You ever notice it comes in threes? I believe there's something spiritual there. We have the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and I believe the enemy tries to discourage us sometimes in the opposite direction in threes. And so all of a sudden, here comes this, this stuff. When you have those times of bad news, when you feel like the bottom's just fallen out, those times can be times of great testing. Just like it was for Daniel and his friends. And again, remember, he's done nothing wrong. But he's in an impossible situation. So what did he do? How did Daniel respond? Let's look at number two. What can we learn from him? Verse 17, Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are their Hebrew names. What had happened. Verse 18. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them His mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other men of Babylon. Here's this young man probably early 20s. He's facing the impossible. He doesn't complain. He doesn't point fingers. He just says, guys, we got to pray. We got to pray. Everything's on the line right now. We have got to pray. This is not Daniel in the lion's den yet. This is not Shadrach, Meshach in the fiery furnace yet. None of those stories have happened. 
This is just some guys who got human trafficked from Jerusalem here, and they're just barely saying, I'm not going to eat that kind of food. This is all they've got. And they're saying, we're going to pray. We're just going to pray. How many of us seek God first when the bottom drops out? And how many of us go like this? Where were you, God? If you love me, how many? I'm not saying this is easy, folks. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I struggle with this sometimes. When the bottom drops out, our humanist wants to come in. But when we say, Father, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I will seek ye first the kingdom of God in your righteousness in all things. Even when it makes no sense. Daniel understood, this is for your notes, that a humanly impossible situation can only be resolved with divine intervention. Simply put, when the bottom falls out, Daniel fell to his knees. Daniel prayed. Although he secured extra time from the king, that reprieve was not to cook up some escape plan. It was so that he and his trusted friends could intercede. To believe God for the impossible. Daniel understood that humanly impossible situations demand divine intervention. Someone once said, We are all faced with a series of great opportunities brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. I wanted to hit that person. Hello? I mean, that sounds so philosophical, but let's be honest. When you're in the middle of that, do you really want to go, this is, a, this is just a spiritual test. Let's see how we'll do. Hello? Somebody say, I'm alone up here. Amen. Somebody say it. Yeah. The truth is, is that we don't ordinarily want to think that way. That we can trust God, even in those great opportunities disguised as impossible situations. We want to take care of it by ourselves. We want to find out who's to blame. Right? Who's to blame? As though if finding out who's to blame is going to fix that which is already broken. Did you hear that? If finding out who was to blame was to fix the problem, then that would make sense. But the truth of the matter is it's the opposite. Even if I know who, what, how, or why that got broken, it still doesn't fix the fact that it's broken. It's impossible. I serve a God who does special work 
in the impossible. And he doesn't ask me to find out who's to blame. See how shallow we can be? Some people lie awake at night and they toss and they turn. How am I going to work this one out? Rather than saying, Lord, the impossible is your specialty. Lord, I'm broken. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Father, maybe I did something wrong or I, I don't see God. Forgive me. God, help. Oh, God, help. Take over and do a work here that it would glorify your name. Your kingdom come. Yet in this predicament, Daniel chose prayer first. Not his own wisdom. Not his own political power or any other option. He chose prayer, the divine intervention of God to do the impossible. So here's three. This is, this is Daniel's admission. Daniel, in true humbleness, admits that God and God alone is to receive honor for doing the impossible. There we are in verse 26. The king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, Is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? So Daniel could have said, well, you know, absolutely, king. You still got all those gifts and, and, and uh, big things of gold and a nice cloak. Is that still on the table, king? No, he doesn't do that. Watch exactly what he does. Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. But I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I'm wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. He goes on to tell him the dream. His head of gold, silver, all the way down to clay and iron. And he describes each part of what that means in years to come in the future. And he is now blessed with all the gifts and more power, more prestige, more responsibility. Daniel's righteous handling of the impossible was a byproduct because he trusted God and had faith in God. As a teenager, he resolved that he would not live for himself, but for God. No matter how impossible, no matter how unfair. Have you ever been in an unfair situation? No matter how unjust. God will, God's way, was to come first. And God alone gets the glory. For many people, 
when they, when we face the impossible, we just quickly reason that praying and seeking God, well, it just costs too much. What do you mean it costs too much, Pastor? It means that we're not willing to pay the price of being honest with God. And being honest with ourselves. To admit the truth about who we are and who we are not. We just can't go there. We want to say, well, look at my past and look what they did and look what this one over here. And, and, this, and I got an alley. I'm sorry I'm preaching to myself, but somebody say amen. amen. You see what I'm saying? It is so difficult for us to say, I'm willing to pay whatever I've got to pay. No, no, no. Well, that's just a little bit too expensive to me to be honest about me to the man in the mirror and to him who already knows everything. No, no, no. I can't do that. I mean, it sounds silly when we do that, right? But we won't pay it. We won't be honest. It's too expensive. It's too extravagant to say, God, I am not worthy. I am a sinner. God, I need help. We don't want to do that. We struggle. Now, we don't articulate it. We just behave that way. Some people, when the bottom falls out, they just immediately begin to blame God. Where are you, God? Doesn't matter that they have no true relationship with God or that they live life as though they're no different than a non believer. The truth is, we just need to be honest with ourselves and with God. Father, I'm inadequate. I'm tired of the facade, tired of not being real, not only with others, but with myself and you. See, as long as you feel self-sufficient or that you have the right to act like you're worthy to be in charge of your life, you're just going to always struggle. It's just true. Remember, we're not talking about a hard day. We're talking about impossible. And if I'm not willing to go to the one who says, nothing is impossible with him. That's Luke chapter 1, verse 37. Nothing is impossible with him. Then why would I want to go face a challenge in my life without God when I can't do even some things that are possible? Why am I going to face the impossible alone? What part of Stupidville am I from? You see what I'm saying? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. First. 
God is not a genie where you get three prayers to use in your lifetime, so choose wisely. No. And I'm not saying that just because we pray and seek the Lord that the Lord is going to flip things around. I don't know that. But I am saying that God honors faith. I am saying that God honors humbleness. I am saying God honors those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. To pray to seek God first is to declare one's complete dependence on God. Not partial. It's saying, God, apart from you, all my actions and my plans mean nothing. On my own, I can't fix this. I can't put it back together again. I can't heal this wound. I can't correct anything. I can't clean up this mess. Lord, you must take control if any good is to come. When the bottom falls out and it's impossible, be very careful not to become so busy taking care of the problem that you forget to seek God first and to pray. You know, sometimes my wife shared with me something that she had gotten from her uh, devotions and in different places that she's always studying and researching. She shared about, and I, I've shared this as well, in Genesis chapter 3, there's that part in, in the fall of man where God comes in to the garden and says to Adam and to Eve, where are you? As though if God can't see them. <laughs> where are you? And Adam answers and he says, I hid because I was naked. Now, do you know what God said to that? Really listen to this. God says, who told you that you were naked? I mean, just yesterday you were walking around in your birthday suit, Adam. Who told you you were naked? Who told you you were inadequate? Who told you you didn't have enough? Who told you that you were this problem and that you had that? Who told you that lie? Who's lied to you? Who's deceived you? Who's told you you can never be a prince of the king? That you would not be a princess of the king? That you can have all the destiny and the glory that God has for you? Who's lied to you that your sin will never leave you and you are cursed? Who's lied to you? He's the God of the impossible. He says, I remember your sin no more as far as the east is from the west. It's over. I killed it. I buried it. And that stuff is not resurrecting. But the life the Zoe, the abundant life of God, I've put that in you. I paid for that out of the blood. The Lamb of God. Don't believe the lies of the enemy, people. But I'm ugly. I don't have humor. I don't have this. I don't have that. And I'll never... Whoa, 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 whoa. 
child of God, who told you that? Who told you your adult child will never come to Christ? Who lied to you? Who told you your finances can't be fixed? That there will not be a retirement? Who, who told you you can't get to where you want to go because God put it in your heart? Nothing is impossible with Him. Not for selfish gain. Not for a personal agenda. But for His will. For His way. That some would come to know Christ and be filled with the Spirit, be discipled, be baptized, both in water and in the Spirit.